All righty. Hello. Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to the Jam Room Podcast. How's your week been? All right, eh? That really fucked up. Ah, oh, fair enough. It's been all right over here for us. Um, here in Perth, it's been a fucking pretty sunny average sort of fucking week. I've been uh, working my ass off around the house, trying to get into a few renovations while the uh, while the weather's all right. So yeah, we decided to tear out our laundry and replace it with a bit of a butler's pantry sort of bullshit. So I've been uh, unable to play guitar for the last few days because my hands are fucked from using a jackhammer. <laughs> Excuse me. Fuck, that was rough. So yeah, I've, every single muscle in my thumbs... Uh, and my fingers have been blown out just from gripping hard on fucking real men's tools. Not in that way. Keep your mind out of the gutter. But you know what I mean? It's a real jackhammer. <laughs> not, not a dude's jackhammer, but, uh, you know, yeah, been jackhammering the fucking tiles out of the house, ripping up all the old laundry sink and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, haven't been able to play my guitar. You know what's fucking weird? Is, uh, you know, everyone talks about, um, like people spying on you with your with your phone and your GPS and all that sort of bullshit. I got a skip bin, which is just a big ass metal bin put on the front verge so I could get rid of all my rubble and all the bullshit that I'm pulling out of the house. Um, it's been there two days. Everything's ripped out. This morning, I go out um, out front to get something from my car. There's someone already taking shit out of the bin. It's been two days, and I live in like a really, really quiet suburb and a really quiet cul-de-sac in that suburb, and yet somehow someone sniffed out my scrap metal. So I walk out there, and there's this old dude. He's got to be 400 years old, and he's trying to pull this big-ass fucking uh, metal trough out, out, out of the bin, and it's got all the plumbing still attached to it and all that sort of bullshit, and I'm walking up there, and I'm like, oh, can I help you, buddy? And he's like, he didn't speak very uh, much English, but he just sort of went, scrap metal. Sort of just, you know, spat those uh, those words at me. I was like, all right, fair enough. The struggle is real. This guy's 4,000 years old driving a fucking, like, 94 beat-up Camry. Um, and he's sniffed out this little fucking trough of metal in my fucking bin out the front. I felt terrible because he was he was holding it on the side of the bin trying to get all the plumbing off all the plastic so he could just take the metal with him in his car didn't know he had room in his car for it but he found a way you know i was all right fair enough man you know whatever pulled out my wallet fucking gave him 20 bucks it's probably a lot more than he get for the scrap but um you know the struggle is real you know it's fucking crazy like how do these people not i mean i i uh here in australia we used to have the um bulk rubbish pickup day which was everyone would just put all their um, big ass shit on the on the verge, and a couple of weeks later, someone will come around and, and collect it all. It happened like once a year or whatever, and it'll roll through different suburbs at a time. And uh, as soon as it rolls through, you see the professional scabbers uh, with trailers and all that bullshit, just trying to pick up anything that they can salvage or, or sell on or anything like that. But I didn't know there was a trade of people fucking actively seeking out skip bins to see if there's any fucking scrap metal being thrown away. And let's face it, builders these days are onto that shit. They fucking take the scrap metal themselves. So they're just looking to get lucky. And this guy got lucky this morning, I guess. He got an extra 20 out of me just because I felt sorry for him. But yeah, so my week's been um, busy, like doing real man work, uh, which I'm fucking not used to. I mean, I come from a family of like actual laborers and tradesmen. Um, but the Apple 
fell really far when it came to me, apparently. But anyway, yeah. Meanwhile, I've been giving myself this hip hop education, um, all on the back of uh, the death of uh, DMX that we talked about last episode. And I've been going into a pretty deep dive. Um, so I wanted to do this episode. I know it's going to be an extra episode for the week. Uh, but it's just to give you a little bit of an update of where I'm at with this education because I am taking it seriously. I'm fucking chipping away at it. I'm trying to really get my head around it um, as much as I can because I have been taking breaks and having to listen to some fucking guitar-based music just to just to refresh myself every now and then. But yeah, thank you to you guys that um, did reach out and let me know about the Netflix documentary. Um, a couple of you guys said that that's a good place to start. Uh, it's a documentary on Netflix called Hip Hop Evolution. And I did not watch it. I can't watch it. Um, I only really access Netflix through my Apple TV. And the wife put the Apple TV remote through the washing machine with all the sheets. So it's fucked up. Um, I don't know how to fix it. Might just have to get a new remote or a whole new system or something like that. I don't know. I mean, I can always do the mirroring thing if I got Netflix on my phone or something and then just sort of sent it to Apple TV. Uh, but I haven't been bothered doing that yet. So maybe next week I'll look into that um, that documentary. Uh, but another really helpful thing that was sent to me uh, by a good friend of the podcast, Joe, he, um, he sent me a, a, a YouTube video from Vice. Um, and first of all, I don't trust Vice or anything they say at all. I fucking hate Vice. It was good back in the day, maybe. Um, I mean, the best thing that ever happened uh, to Vice was its creation. That was all Gavin McGuinness sort of stuff, who's uh, basically been completely retconned out of the Vice story and um, out of mainstream life, really. <laughs> no one really knows about Gavin McGuinness anymore, um, unless you're there with fucking Anthony Cumia on Compound Media or something. Uh, so I do not trust Vice anymore, but I still checked out this video, and it was called, uh, what was it called? I wrote it down. It's called Rapping Deconstructed, advice on YouTube. And it was kind of just some sort of fairly nerdy take on um, the evolution of, of, of rapping, which was pretty cool. Like I say it's a nerdy take because it's really breaking down the science behind the rhymes of the rap, if, if you understand what I mean. Like, so... It, it, it starts with like early, early rap, how you have these A-A-B-B rhymes. Um, they'll all be like one syllable rhymes right at the end of the line, one per bar sort of thing, straightforward. And then it kind of takes you through when multi-syllable rhymes started coming out. And then when people started crossing the bar lines and rhyming with things and then having internal rhymes. And then it just gets really, really colorful from there, right? Um, but all I did was I just sort of took note of the artists that they mentioned throughout the, the little piece there, because according to them, they kind of changed the game a little bit. So I, I, you know, took note of all the artists that they referenced and I checked out their first albums and everything was from the nineties. It was really, really cool. And um, so that's what I've been doing with my hip hop education. So some of the ones that they talked about, um, first of all, the, the person that did the article um, and the person she was kind of interviewing for the article, uh, were both very big MF Doom fans, um, who I'd never even fucking heard of. Never heard of MF Doom, uh, because I don't know anything about this scene. That's why I'm trying to get this education, right? So forgive me for all that bullshit. Um, so I did check out his first album. It's called Operation Doomsday from 1999. Not the earliest on the, on the list, by the way. Uh, but it was pretty damn cool. 
I understand the, the like the flow of of, of rhymes and stuff because like let me pull back a little bit, guys. When it comes to trying to think about the musicality of hip hop, it hits things that um, you can't hit in normal music analysis. And this is let me let me explain what I mean by that. Um, so obviously everything can be taken down uh, by some kind of musical notation. So you could play some of these rap lines like on a piano if you wanted to. That's the note. That's the rhythm. Cool. There's the standard notation musically of what's going on. But notes don't rhyme. You know what I mean? So when it's uh, when it's speech, when it's actual human vocals doing the note... It's also doing the note with a word. And that word seems to have some sort of impact, some meaning. It's it's more pregnant than a fucking note is, right? Words are way more uh, robust and um, full of meaning than a note is, right? Um, so that's one extra aspect, one extra bit of musicality that, that lyrics can bring to a melody line, for instance, right? Um, but then obviously with the rhyming thing as well, you've got this extra dimension and obviously the more variables you throw at this the the the, the harder it is to really sort of um digest i guess something like that so hearing how these rhymes sort of work and i'm not a fan of doing things for the sake of the thing like a rhyme for rhyme's sake because sometimes it just becomes comes across as contrived and sort of inauthentic and it's not the thing you wanted to say but it happened to rhyme so you said it something like that all right um so it's kind of kind of hard for me because I obviously listen to these things with a um, with a bit of a musical head on me, where I'm trying to look for obvious inflections that are interesting musically, whether that's rhythmically and that obviously applies to the flow, um, or melodically and um, harmoniously or whatever. So let's face it, when it comes to rap, the actual background music that the rap is uh, happening over the top of ain't too interesting to me. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's really fucking cool. Like, I'm not saying these is good or bad or, or or shit or awesome. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying it's just not a lot going on. So you are drawn to the lyrics as the main focal point of the song, which I guess is the whole point of hip-hop, right? Is to bring the, the listener's ear to the journey of the lyricist rather than the journey of the fucking bass player or the, the drummer in the background or whatever, you know? So yeah, it was um, it's interesting to try and um, break it down and, and, and see what the hell I like about this. And I said at the start, like last episode, I mentioned I don't want to do a whole bunch of homework on this sort of shit. So I don't want to know the context or anything. So And also this fucking, um, this Vice article is kind of playing into that. It's a bit too nerdy, a bit too much homework. I don't want to like be amazed at the way this guy happened to rhyme these two words together or do these internal rhymes or whatever. I want to just be entertained by the song right and um so back to mf doom i was really entertained it was really really fucking fire i um i enjoyed the flow i enjoyed what was going on didn't really catch all the lyrics you know it's one of those things that you have to like read and and you know people that rap along to songs are like with them they i don't know it's a bit it's a bit full-on because it's not there's, it, like I said, there's too much homework involved. <laughs> you have to learn all the fucking lyrics, and there is a lot of them happening. And uh, yeah, so MF Doom was really, really cool. Operation Doomsday was a great album. Um, but let's rattle through some more that I checked out. I checked out Ra Kim. 
the album's called 18th Letter. It was 18th Letter slash something else. And I don't know if that's just like a remake thing on um, on Spotify or whatever. But this album was from 96. And again, it was pretty damn decent. Like, really, really cool. I could see the differences between um, Rakim and MF Doom and uh, other rappers that I've heard in the past. I could definitely see different flavors. I don't know enough yet. Like I said, this is an update on how I'm going on my education. It's an update. I'm not there yet. So I haven't really seen his influence yet, if you know what I mean. So if someone did something revolutionary and then I start listening to more and more hip-hop that came after that and I start hearing the the little motifs that were sort of engineered by Rakim or started by him or influenced by like I might be able to tell influence and um, understand impact later on. That's going to come in the next part of this hip-hop uh, education. For now, I'm just trying to set the fucking stage a little bit, I guess. Um, so yeah, that was 96. And then uh, Notorious B.I.G. was a, a dude that was mentioned quite a bit. And so his first album, uh, Ready to Die from 94... Um, really, really cool. Probably out of the list was probably my favorite. Um, and that, that's simply because of his flow. There was just something more pleasant about it or whatever. But you know what? There's another aspect for all these albums that i got to address that um, I, w- I want you guys to, to let me know and help me figure out what's going on. You know those little um, songs that are on albums that are like little interludes? It's not a real track. It's just a fucking minute minute and a half maybe two minute little interlude or something like when like tool does it on their albums and it's just like obnoxious noise for a couple of minutes and like fucking why do they even give it a name i don't know why is it in the album i don't get it it's not a song it's just a waste of fucking time i think it's wanky as hell to try and get people in the mood with this weird soundscape or whatever but that's that side of it. With the hip-hop side, they fucking love these little things. These little minute-long tracks or whatever that are just sort of in there. And B.I.G. did one. Like, some of it was literally just sound like a girl getting fucked. Um, and it was called, like, the Fuck Me interlude or something like that on that album. And so I don't really know. And also, at the start of a lot of songs, you start hearing that... Um, that sort of... I don't know if it's, like, the musical version of Breaking the Fourth Wall, where they'll sort of be like, Yo... Let me just see if this mic's on. And they, they do all this like behind the scenes stuff. Like they, they chat about, you know, what take this is. Like, oh, it's, this is take number three or, you know, uh, whatever. I don't even know what the fuck they're doing, but it's, it seems rehearsed anyway. And all those interlude things, they just seem rehearsed. Like it's, it's not funny. It's not a comedy skit. It's not musical. It's kind of something that's a... Uh, Maybe trying to get the listener to sort of put their head inside this guy's like living world, the artist's living world, if you know what I mean, by doing a little bit of behind the scenes. Like I said, it's like a breaking of the fourth wall in a musical sense. But it got me thinking, like, when did that shit first start? If you know what I mean? Like that little check one, two, yeah, yeah, like all the all that throwaway stuff that normally in a song you would just edit it out and you'd just put in whatever the actual song is but all of a sudden these mic checks become part of the song when did that start i don't really know i i I i understand that like why distribution of recorded music was later than broadcast radio and so live broadcast actually did happen before mass distribution of recording happened um so it might have happened from the get-go it might actually predate 
pristine recordings of songs. I don't really know. So yeah, help us out with that. When when did all this stuff come in? And does it bother you with all this little um like uh, pretending like you're checking the microphone and all that sort of stuff? I mean, these guys are you know supposed to be gangsters, but there's just obvious fakery going on throughout the whole thing. But I, like I said, I still really enjoyed um, the Ready to Die album from the Notorious B.I.G. Uh, 94 was that one. Yeah, another one I checked out was Moz Def. Is that how you say it? M-O-S? Another word? D-E-F? Moz Def? Moz Def. Moz Def. Um, anyway, he had an album called uh, Black on Both Sides from 99. That was mentioned on that um, Vice thing. Checked it out. Kind of sounded the same as many other things as well. Uh, maybe I'm getting burnt out. Maybe I shouldn't try and listen to so much all at once. Maybe I should try and dedicate a week to one artist and really get my head around his catalog at a time. So this might be another one of those huge, stupid topics that I'm trying to get into. But you know what? I, I learn from these things, guys. So it's um, it's fun for me. I hope it's fun for you. I've got another one on my list, Andre 3000. I'll check out that album today. Uh, but I just thought I'd check in with you guys, let you know how I'm tackling this, this little topic here. Because uh, it's... It's a fucking can of worms, man. I don't really know where to start. Uh, thank you guys for helping us out. I will check out that Netflix documentary. But it seems like I'm going back to the 90s, early 90s, but not much earlier than that. But if there are really noteworthy um, things to check out from from the 80s, or fucking even let me go right back to the 70s, or whatever, if, if hip-hop actually was doing influential things that I can see the ripple of today... In the 80s, please let me know. Because, um, like I said, all these artists that apparently have been revolutionizing the game all seem to be 90s sorts of things, which is my favorite decade, by the way. I reckon music was doing some tremendous things in the 90s. Obviously, fucking, I'm a Deftones fan, a Tool fan, a fucking um, <laughs> Blink 182 fan. Like, I got into music in the 90s. That's when I, you know, it's my coming of age uh, decade, I would say, sort of. Something like that. Anyway. Yeah, so help us out with this sort of stuff. I've been having a hell of a lot of fun. Um, and I don't want to like trash uh, hip-hop music too much because I know there's a lot of image behind it. There's a lot of, of that sort of stuff. And like I've got a bit of a keen detector for authenticity in music. So some things just make me laugh, maybe you know, cringe or whatever. But that's just that, that, that's a me problem, guys. I can still respect the music if it's uh, if it's really fucking fire. So help us out with that sort of shit, all right? And uh, yeah, we'll get another podcast out uh, later on, early next week, something like that. And uh, I'll have some more to check in with you about as far as all this um, hip-hop stuff goes because it's been a lot of fun. I am getting a little bit bored musically, so I have been guiltily t taking little breaks and listening to some, you know, other music, let's say, more guitar-based music, because uh, I haven't been able to play guitar for the last few days. My hands have been fucked, and um, I actually was uh, <laughs> was playing around a little bit yesterday, and my hands just literally weren't moving the speed they used to. They're just so fucking cramped up, so it feels like I've actually exhausted all of my guitaring muscles, which is a good thing. It means that when they do recover, they will be better, but um, time will tell about that. You know, how good were they to start off with? We'll see. <laughs> anyway, have a great week, guys. Um, I've got another song here for you. Don't know where it came from or what it is, but it's one of the ones we're trying to rattle through here. Um, I think this one I'm gonna sh uh, that I'm putting up now is uh, one that I mentioned was 
one of my favorites. And that's just like diatonically speaking in a musical sort of sense. I like the way it um, doesn't fall out of key, but sounds like it kind of does. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It is what it is, guys. I hope you enjoy as well. Listen to the end. The end of this song has got a really, really cool line that was just stumbled across in the jam room, just like all of our songs were. Um, And I dig it. I dig it. I think it's kind of cool, kind of neat. This is the Jam Room Podcast. Have a great week. <laughs>